Cool Boy Nation. Stop, collaborate, and listen. <gasps> Felk is back. With a brand new With edition. With a brand new invention. Wait, is it an edition? I always thought it was brand new invention. Who knows? It's it's vanilla ice. He just uh, makes it up as he went. Uh, yeah, Ice is back with a brand new invention. It was invention. Mm. I know my ice. Uh. Live from Cool Boys Center. You're the boss down there. I'm boss up here. Hold your dicks and rub your tits. You'll be ice cold. Here come the Cool Boys. Just a young boy. <gasps> so cool. So cool. So cool. All right. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, uh, greetings, Cool Boy Nation. <laughs> Wait, you're just going to leave it there. That might be a good cold open right there. And welcome to a special installment of the Cool Boys podcast. I'm Felk and I'm back. Oh, and I'm Ballard and I never left. Oh, oh man. So cool. <laughs> Don't forget to say the script. <laughs> I'm back. Will any other missing cool boys come back? No. Probably not. I like Probably that, like, not. In the episodes that I was gone, you were like, oh, you know, Nolan's not here and Felk's not here. Like, we had equal chances of returning to the podcast. I wanted there to be a mystery, mystery. Yeah. and I wanted there to be a, a, you know, actual stakes involved for people who were listening that maybe Felk was never to return. And then that's the right call. If you've listened to last week's episode, Spooky uh, Halloween 31 lists part two. I haven't finished it yet. We find out that slasher killer was Felk all along. Oh, really? Oh, good. <laughs> it was you. You didn't know that. <laughs> I haven't finished it yet. You just released it today. <laughs> yeah. Well, slasher killer. With the huge mega machete dick, ended up being Felk all Ooh. along, slashing our butts. <laughs> Half right. Okay, well, this episode, we'll be... <laughs> oh, I'm so out of practice, I can't read words. Rusty! He's got ring rust! He's got ring rust! He's got space dementia. <laughs> He's got space dementia. This episode, we'll be discussing the DC FU. So we will forgo... Our cool boy updates. Not going to do them. Nope. <laughs> and get right into Joker and all the fabulous spoilers it has given us. Yeah. And tune in next week to know more about Felk's updates and whereabouts. His travels in the quantum realm with Simeon butt aids. Yeah. It was, uh, I saw Noli there. <gasps> How is he? Less concerned about getting out of the quantum realm than I was. <laughs> All right. It's time for spoilers. Sizzle. Sizzle. So, yeah, the cool boys watched Joker, a film by Todd Phillips, mm -hmm. starring Jacqueline Phoenix. Mm hmm. Brother of River. Uh, rest in peace. I heard he had a huge dick. <laughs> yeah, the biggest. I heard he crashed on the five in front of the Velvet Rose doing 85 off a of hooker's tit. It was it was in front of uh, Johnny Depp's club. Now, for some reason, I can't remember the name of now. White the, Snake? Uh, no, it's not White Snake. That's a band. Um, Cobra Palace. I'm going to hate myself for not remembering it. But, uh, you know, I don't really care. It's, it's, in, it's, in, it's on Sunset. 
Woo! Facts and history. But let's get to the real facts and the real history here. The Viper Room. Joker. <laughs> the what? The Viper Room. That's it. Yeah, what did I say? It's something the white snake. Far off. No, my first thing was like the Vegas Room or something. I don't know. The, what velvet, the gold velvet? Something. Oh, yeah, the velvet revolver, maybe. The velvet yeah. fuzz. Mm. That's a Seinfeld reference, sort of. Um, mm. Yeah, so we watched uh, the movie, the movie Joker, which I keep wanting to call the Joker, but it's not. It's just Joker. I am so happy to hear your voice. It is so beautiful. Yeah, as opposed to Dorn's voice, which is fine. He has a nice voice. Or or mine, or just mine. An episode <laughs> of just my voice was horrible. You started playing Spider-Man fucking at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> I was so bored watching Reefer Madness. <laughs> Start reviewing Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. Let's review a different cinematic universe, a different comic universe, DC, right? So. It's not even a cinematic universe, though. No, no. It started off as one, and now it's definitely not, and it's maybe to its benefit. Yeah. Um, a lot of people were asking for this for a long time and thought that DC lent itself uh, as, uh, you know, a, a group of properties better to the idea of solo films it does i'm fine with it so far yeah. and um moving forward though let's go backwards let's look at you know and rate joker in all the past dc films these yeah. are actual theatrical releases only and we're going to do this to establish our opinions of the character as well as dc in general so felk why don't you start off first batman the movie what do you give the rating of joker just Joker, not the movie, just Joker in that uh, movie, Batman the movie, the 1966 film. Before, before we begin, we need to announce spoilers for here on out for Joker and every other appearance of the Joker. Okay, true. Absolutely. Yes. These are spoilers for everything. This DC. is very important for internet content. All right, yeah, Batman 66, or a.k.a. Batman the movie. We're talking about Cesar Romero's Joker is first. Uh, I don't have any affinity for Cesar Romero's Joker. I mean, I watched the TV show as a kid, but uh, the movie, he's the le like, he's the least important. The, like the, yep. the movie is mostly Penguin and Catwoman, right? Uh, the movie's mostly the Riddler and Catwoman. Penguin is even a secondary character. Penguin has like that whole like thing where he sneaks into the Batcave, but J Joker doesn't do shit. So I don't. Joker's I'm, I'm gonna very give, limited. Yeah, I'm going to give one. Yeah, I agree. Because outside of that, I don't really remember Cesar Romero's Joker or have a fond memory of him. So Cesar Romero is my introduction to live action Joker. Uh, Batman, the uh, television series from the 60s, is my introduction to Batman. Um, I watched it at an old lady's house who would babysit me just down the street, like a few houses down. She just had it on because she didn't know what else to put on for kids. Yeah. It was boring as fuck yeah. to watch as a kid. I was like, this isn't Batman. And then I eventually got Batman 1989. Now, let me give Joker real quickly, Cesar Romero one. I'll give him two out of five boys, maybe one out of five boys, but I'm going to stick with two out of five boys because he was instrumental in creating a visual look that was going to be recreated multiple times in live action. And fuck yeah, he painted his mustache white because he's like, I'm not shaving this shit. No, 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 that was paint it white. That was the thing. Now, Batman 89, I give that Joker 4.5 out of five boys. And Same. there's only one reason I give it 0.5 off of a perfect 5 out of 5, Jack Nicholson's Joker, um, because I had to leave room for perfection. I have to leave room later yeah. down the road for perfection to exist, and so I couldn't give it to Jack Nicholson because he is not 
perfect Joker. He is just Jack Nicholson doing Cesar Romero, which is great. It works well. A little more and, insane and, and, and like like threatening. I mean, he's yes, but he's playing off the Jack Nicholson version of what a Cesar Romero Joker is. He's not doing a really new Joker. Yeah. Now, some of that might be in the direction he was given by Tim Burton. I see more just Jack Nicholson than I do Cesar Romero's Joker in Jack Nicholson's Joker. Like uh, oh, the Witches of Eastwick, his devil from the Witches of Eastwick is pretty oh God, much the same performance movie. as the Joker, though. It's close. Yes, I agree. It's close at the very end when he's getting beaten up by the witches. Um, but I would say he's more Jack Nicholson to me when he's Jack Napier. And when he becomes Joker, he kind of becomes a little bit more crazy. Oh, sure. And he's a little bit more heightened. Sure. The way he dances to like Prince songs and shit like that. The Prince songs um, really is the the biggest flaw in the Batman 89. But but I've said a lot negative, I think, about something when I gave 4.5 out of 5 boys. So I'll just give one major positive and then I would love to hear more about your opinion on Jack Nicholson. Um, it, he's billed first and it's because it's his movie. Yeah. It's his origin story. Just like Gene He's Hackman. involved in the origin of Bruce Wayne's turn to Batman. Mm-hmm. He's instrumental throughout the entire film. He has great lines. Where do you know, you know the toys line? Where do you get these toys? You know, hey, uh, Eckhart, see you in the future. And he blows them away. You know, like all that shit. Think about the future. Or think about the future. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, would you? You know, he spits out a mouth and. Pale Moonlight, Dance with the Devil of the Pale Moonlight, like all that shit. It's just all this fucking like, like iconic, you know, uh, elements to the character he created in that in that role. Yeah. You know, what's fucked up is that there's a, like a lot of in this police. There's a police reports to verify this, that a lot of people have been murdered to people who decided to say, have you ever danced with the devil in the <gasps> pale moonlight before, be, before really? they killed him? Because of the movie. Yeah, I mean, like, which we'll get into, which we'll get into with our uh, topic for tonight, just like how the Joker has inspired real people, but, uh, or, or you know, people think it will. Well, there's, yeah, there's the mis, you know, communication that's out there about the Dark Knight Rises and yeah. uh, that guy that he was actually not trying to be Joker, as people, like, first reported. That's no, not, not at all his connection. But interesting that pale moonlight... Is something said? That's yeah, well, because it's memorable, and it, it's it's like he's a memorable villain who's like m- more. He's more interesting than Batman. Uh, to absolutely a in that movie, in that, in for that sure. movie, in that movie. But because they hold back on Batman so much in that film, it makes Batman an interesting character in that story. Sure, like you do yeah. care because he he's he he's elemental in yeah. that movie. Yeah, and unlike in Returns, exactly. Where he's just reacting to everything else. So, um, what's your Joker? What's your Joker rating? Four and a half. I'm also gonna give. I'm gonna give Nicholson four and a half. I agree. Pretty much the same thing. If we didn't have the next one, he he might be up five. But we know it can be done a little bit differently and a little bit better. I, I mean, I would say I don't like that. You know, it's it's not Joe Chill, but it's uh, him uh, who kills Batman's parrots. That just seems. But like when you you weren't establishing a universe, you were telling one story. I, I get one why singular they made that, story, yeah, right? I get why they made that change. Yeah, of course. Yeah, totally. Absolutely right. Okay, so moving on to what I would consider is another like almost perfect version of the Joker, Mark Hamill's Joker from Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. Now he gets there because Mask of the Phantasm was literally released in theaters on Christmas Day of 1993. Yeah, I give it 4.5 out of five. The only drawback, he is confined to a PG or PG-13 world at most, and he can't go the full distance to R that really Joker can go. But at the same time, he is animated. 
Yeah. So you don't get a full three-dimensional performance from an actor. Yeah. That being said, it's almost one of the most perfect examples of comic book to screen adaptations of a character I've ever seen. When I, I think I've said this before many times, but when I read Batman books, Joker is done in Mark Hamill's version, like voice. Yeah, same, same in Kevin Conroy's Batman. And Kevin Conroy's Batman, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, no, they're, they're the voices. Um, sometimes I think I might switch to like Keaton a little bit because I do like Keaton's, you know, I'm Batman. But never bails. <laughs> never bails, no, not really, unless I'm mocking it, I guess, for some reason in my head, which I don't think I would do. Swear to me! Swear to me. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I give it 4.5 out of 5 boys. How about you? I'll give him five. Uh, I, I feel like that's is pretty much perfect Joker. Obviously, yeah, you what you said is, is true that the, he can't go super violent. But compared to the series, this Joker is finally allowed to actually kill people, albeit off screen. Uh, he definitely is doing murdery shit. And this is the first like it, it's the definitive uh, like last laugh of the Joker, even though obviously he didn't mm-hmm. die. Uh, you know, that that final laugh is as the uh, future world or whatever it's called Tomorrowland and uh, collapses mm-hmm. around him. Uh, it, it, he, it's uh, as good as uh, Joker can be depicted. And yeah, I loved uh, just delving a little bit into his backstory of being a mobster. That's like the closest <gasps> right. that the series ever got, I think. I don't know. I stopped, I stopped re-watching the series when I left another podcast we do. Oh, no. Yeah, Cool Boy Nation, tune into the Batman Mask of the Phantasm episode on our other episodes of Batman and Beyond Cool Boys podcast. Um, To get to your point, so this is the second origin of Joker we've seen on film. They do essentially establish his origin as a mobster in Mask of the Phantasm. Very lightly, but it's perfect. It's it's, it's just enough because you want him to stay mysterious in that incarnation. It's also one of the biggest twists in the movie. I mean, one of the big twists in Phantasm, obviously, is that, oh, my God, it was the daughter all along was the actually the Phantasm. Yeah. But but I think for me, the biggest twist, especially rewatching it as an adult, it was like, oh, my God, that's fucking Joker. Yeah. That the Joker would be on uh, Phantasm's list. That's Jack Napier. List. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, he's called Jack Napier once in the series. Um, yep. By the psychiatrist. That, that name does come from 89 Batman's script. Sam Hamm yes. just made it up, I think. Which Batman animated series took a lot of liberties from, from the uh, 89 Batman. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, moving forward, mm. let's get into what we've been hinting at this whole time. Perfection. Yeah. My five out of five, maybe even six out of five, boys. Like I said in other episodes, when he was not on the screen, I was asking the question, where is he? Fucking Heath Ledger's Joker is amazing. The Dark Knight. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's not the definitive live action Joker to me because that hasn't happened. It can't happen. The Hamill Joker is, I mean, the, the, the Batman animated series and mask of the phantasm, that Joker is the definitive because you can't really do it live action. You can only do an interpretation of live, uh, of, you know, the character. Cause he's, he's so multifaceted, oh. but mm, yeah. the dark Knight has a very specific interpretation of the Joker who is just an anarchist who is, uh, smart smarter than really makes sense to be considering like a lot of his plans rely upon a lot of randomness almost as if anarchy and randomness joker has to be smart though but yeah we'll joker get into needs that to be. we'll get into that with the next two. <laughs> oh my god seriously um but uh yeah because because i just want to make a quick uh, uh distinction why joker has to be smart joker has to run essentially a corporation called joker in which he has thousands of employees 
and he has infrastructure set up that manage this or to have people to set up to manage this that he relies on requires a smart person. Well, it's a mafia or a cartel, basically, more than a corporation. Right. It's, a cri- it's a crime syndicate. Uh, this Joker, because this Joker is unique in that he, he burns the money. Like that's the clear that's right. that's where I, the with the movie really the caught me with this Joker. Yeah, specifically the dude well, was yeah. on top burning alive, and that's in the script that he's burning alive. They took it out of the movie. They could do it as much as they could at a PG thirteen level. He is yeah uh, scarred, pun intended, by the PG thirteen mm-hmm. rating. In that you know he can't <laughs> that awkward knife in the mouth kill and, and other stuff. It's like. Yeah, clearly there's something we we needed to see that you know we we couldn't quite see. Hans Zimmer told us with the music though. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, but he did. <laughs> and like you want to see the pencil sticking out of the guy's eye and that shit, but you you know it's it, it's done to a PG-13 level. But uh, I would never want that to be the only Joker that exists. I like one that's a li- that that's more of just a, a criminal who's insane uh, than one whose end game was basically causing the city to just erupt in chaos. So something you said earlier about how Nicholson's Joker was only designed to be self-contained within a single story. Yeah. Of Batman 89. Um, the Dark Knight's Joker is also essentially written and designed to be contained to two movies. Yeah. The Dark Knight two. and The Dark Knight Rises, which he was not in because Heath Ledger died, unfortunately. Oh no! But there's no question. I already had a huge going to <laughs> what? I said I already Rest had a huge dick. Yeah, yeah, the biggest. Oh my god! I heard he hung himself in an apartment in England. Um, that, so that's correct. <laughs> I don't know. He he would eat on pills in New York, in Manhattan. Yeah, in like someone's famous uh, apartment too. One of the Olsons. Kate, yeah, yeah, well, maybe Carrie Olson or something. Or Ashley Olson, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Anyways, so he wasn't in The Dark Knight Rises, and we got, I think, probably the Scarecrow kind of took the role, the smaller version of the role, written down, because it was obviously larger versus the Joker. Yeah, I think it would have been a little bit bigger. I like the symmetry, though, that the Scarecrow has a cameo in the, in, in the other two movies. I think the Scarecrow was going to be in Dark Knight Rises no matter what. Yeah. I think he, the Joker was going to be the the judge, because that's that's that is literally from comic book lore yeah, of Batman joke. as well as the animated series. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, yeah. So, anyways, yeah. So, for me, yeah, once again, five out of five for uh, Heath Ledger's uh, The Joker. I love it. And I got to stop saying The Joker because that's not his fucking name. It's Joker. I hate that I, I say The Joker. It's not right. Yeah, it's it's, it's call, uh, call me Joker. Not call me The mm-hmm. Joker. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I always, I always look back to that commercial from '89. All right, let's move on to the worst one. <laughs> okay. Spoilers well, for what I think of it. Yeah. So why don't you just tell us your rating? Uh, it's got to be low. I don't know. Uh, what I, I only gave Romero a pretty low rating, so I don't know. Half a boy. I'm gonna give him half a boy for Jared Leto's Joker. So Jared Leto's Joker was somebody that when I first saw it, I I, I just went, uh-uh, no, I don't yeah, like this. No, it's bad. the tattoos. It, the tattoos is just a little too much. I can get behind. Oh, it's the teeth for me. The teeth I can get behind because Batman maybe knocked out his teeth in several other, uh, uh, you know, arrests. But okay, it was the tattoos that took it too far to me, and I just went, uh-uh. But then I I, I, I step back and I go, you know what, Ballard? Don't do the thing you hate. Always wait until the movie comes out before you judge. Don't prejudge a movie. I try not to prejudge films. Yeah. But sometimes there's certain movies you're just like, I don't know. I just don't know. 
And I did not prejudge Heath Ledger. I did not prejudge <laughs> Brandon Ruth. I did not prejudge Christian Bale or Michael Keaton. But I prejudged Jared Leto. And then I saw the movie. And like, not only is Suicide Squad garbage, but Jared Leto's performance as Joker is absolute rubbish. It's fucking horrible. It's it's Ooh. zero out of five boys. I, it's not Joker. It's nothing. It doesn't. It's I don't know what it is. It's not Joker. It's, it's not Joker. And. I kind of want to believe in the continuity that he's either inspired by the real Joker. And this is before the movie Joker came out. I'm talking about when Suicide Squad came out. There were rumors that yeah. he's inspired by another Joker and he's just the younger Joker. He's Jason Todd. Yeah, Jason Todd. Essentially as Joker now. No. And he was supposed to be the Joker. Right. And it's and it's not. He's just Joker in that version. And it's not anything special. And it's so weird. It's terrible and doesn't make any sense. And there's scenes literally where he's beating Harley and she loves him more for it. Like, it's just weird stuff like that. I think that's in the extended edition. That kind of is the Joker Harley relationship. Uh, yeah, but then it's the way it's like the next scene cuts to him. Like, you have to prove your love to me after he like just like hated was running away from her and like hates her and everything. And she like chased him down. That's because they originally wrote it as him having a very abusive relationship to her and her finally taking a stand against him. But then the reshoots, they were like, this is relationships horror. We can't put this on screen. So they reshot it so that he actually loves her and, and yeah. rescues her. He's not like pushing her out of the airplane. He's pushing her out of the or helicopter to like to, to save her because it's about to explode. They, they, they repurposed so much of it and took out the part where he shows up the end all scarred and you know and she rejects him and, and it's set in the movie on him saving her even though the birds of prey trailer implies that they did have an abusive relationship and he was horrible to her yeah so it's like it's a mess it, the, the relationship's a mess i want to real fast take it back to what you were talking about when that first look and to me the tattoos weren't a deal breaker because i knew what a, it was damaged I, I damaged on the floor i knew it wasn't david i knew it was david ayer and i've seen photos of fucking ms13 all right and, and, and like Aryan brotherhoods, if you, I'm not trying to make this partisan, uh, there's scary motherfuckers who, part of like cartels and gangs and shit that have tattoos all over. That rings true to a modern day crime. And if they're doing modern day Joker is not Joker, the tattoo that ruined it was damaged. Yes. Yeah. Damage because that is not fucking MS 13. That's good Charlotte. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Fallout like, Boy. I'm mad at you, mom and dad, and I want you to see that I'm mad at you all the time, right on my forehead, like a billboard. It says you fucked up, damaged. That's what like Adam Levine or uh, the guy from Maroon Five would fucking tattoo on his body or something. Probably sad. <laughs> you know? He probably has it like right on his dick too, because he's got so many STDs allegedly. If they had done it like um like the like the villains from a David Ayer movie or fucking uh. Uh, like triple nine or something like that where or just the real fucking cartel you know because Ayer says he based the, t the tattoos and the grill on uh real life la gangsters that he follows on instagram and it's just like awesome yeah yeah but he doesn't play off as that jared leto plays off as like a, a, a weird like i can't think of words to describe him without like he comes <laughs> off to me offensive. he comes off as an actor trying to play a criminal Yes, but very, but with also a lot of like 30 seconds to Mars in there. Oh, for sure. It's a music video version of it. Yeah, it's like I, I don't like it. So wait, what was your what was your rating of half, Joker in Suicide Squad? Half, half, a, a, boy? half a boy. Yeah, I'm just zero out of five boys. Like I, I there was not one redeeming quality for me. No. At any point in that movie of watching him play the character of Joker. 
No. Um, and so I, I don't give a fuck whether he's continues or not. I kind of like the idea that the entire Zack Snyder version verse of DC has spun off into now what will be just like following that version of Harley Quinn. So like all this Man of Steel, all this BVS, all these Wonder Womans, well pre Wonder Woman, like the first Wonder Woman from 2014 or whatever it was. Yeah, we'll see when the trailer comes out how much continuity it has. I, I heard it has like almost none. Aquaman's kind of like the end of it. Shazam's loosely attached to it, right? But like after that, it's just the 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 extended universe is going to essentially just follow Harley Quinn like down that rabbit hole. Yeah, although yeah, because there's Birds of Prey and then also Gotham City Sirens both have Harley Quinn in them, right? Yeah. And there's no Aquaman on the way. I'm sure there is going to be. And there is no other Shazam on the way. I'm sure there's going to be. And like we've heard on rumors, Wonder Woman 84 is so loosely connected to the first Wonder Woman. Yeah. And as I understand it, Joker is being categorized. This is how Wikipedia does it as the black label of DC. Oh, yeah. And as as there's no other movies uh, uh, slated for the black label, but there certainly will be, I'm sure. Yeah, that was something I think Todd Phillips uh, helped come up with. Yeah. And it, they're not labeling it like an actual opening credit card, like title card. Um, there was no DC title card for Joker. It was just an old 1970s WB logo. Yeah. And that was it. Both because um, they're trying to make this black label feel, yes, everything can be a movie onto its own. Requires mm -hmm. no setup, requires no future additions, and at the same time, could be Oscar contenders. Yeah, and that's well, like something it, like Joker was. And the Batman is currently uncategorized. We mm -hmm. don't know whether it's counts as the DCEU or Black Label or DCFU. If it has no continuity with other films, then it's just, it, it should be Black Label, I guess. I think it's probably likely to be Black Label in the end. Yeah, me too. That's my best guess. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get into Black Label and Joker, the first Black Label film in DC. And I will give my first rating of it. Um, so I might have multiple ratings throughout the night. Who knows? But my first rating of Joker is I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5 boys. I liked it a lot. But there's nothing crazy about it that spoke out to me. And the only things that hindered for me the movie is that it leaned too heavily on Taxi Driver and Ooh, that boy. setup. Yeah. And to get... And to get like more into that, we can, obviously, because there's a lot to dissect there. But one of the things that made Robert De Niro's character in Taxi Driver uh, believable is that mm -hmm. he was, you know, charismatic. He had it. High functioning. He was handsome. You know, he, 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 he was able to, like, you know, walk around and talk to people and not look like a fucking weirdo and a psycho and yeah. have, like, clearly mental illness. Made him relatable. Relatable. Absolutely. And then and then you have Joaquin Phoenix's incredible portrayal of Arthur Fleck. But um, it's not the type of portrayal that makes me as an audience member go, oh, yeah, you're super viable and everyone's going to love you. And like, you know, you have charisma and all that stuff. Now, it doesn't make that his role. I'm not complaining about his role or his uh, his narrative in the story or how it was developed. Um, it's just to me, it just isn't something that like I find entertaining as an audience member. Like I don't I'm like, OK, well, he's the bad guy. So I spent the whole movie kind of just being like, oh, my God, Jesus this is intense. Oh, so I feel ho so horrible for this guy. Yeah. It was like watching a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode, but without like the funny like musical <laughs> the, beats. Yeah, and people die. <laughs> yeah, and people die. Well, people die, I think, in Curb. Not frequently. Not like this. No, yeah, Larry doesn't murder someone with scissors. No. Yeah. So I'm going to go 3.5 out of 5, but maybe a 4 out of 5 on a second viewing. I did enjoy the movie a lot. I, I, I really did. I, I love the experiment. 
And I think they should do more stuff like this, honestly. Uh, yeah, if they means DC and Warner Brothers, I, I agree. Yeah. They took risks. Uh, a lot of them paid off financially. Shockingly, it paid off. Um, that, that really surprised me that the movie's actually doing well. But uh, yeah, I'm going to give it I'm going to give it the same 3.5. Um, it is Taxi Driver and the King of Comedy filtered with a with a Batman filter uh, or a Joker filter on it. Which hurts it the most, which hurts it the most, I think, honestly. But I don't know what it is without that. Like, it, oh, without no... that, you could get deeper into the story of mental illness. You can get deeper into that character. You can uh, you can expand on things like certain characters like Randall, who have like no character development whatsoever other than he hands him a gun, Chekhov's gun, Randall's gun. Yeah. Right. And then like we just know that as soon as we see that gun in the first like five minutes of the movie, you know, that gun's going off oh, yeah, yeah, by yeah. the end of the movie. I wonder if the Joker will shoot someone with this gun. Well, you know what? Actually, about that gun I love is that that gun goes off really quick. He accidentally fires it off in his apartment, his, uh, his mom's apartment, like way too early in the movie. And I was like, oh, wow, they fired that gun off a lot sooner than I thought. Oh, and it also fell on the floor in the in the children's hospital early on too. And I remember thinking, "Oh wow, okay, so it's already been introduced in the plot multiple times." I'm like, "That's cool," because I'm still waiting for it to be introduced later when he uses it to, you know, kill Murray Franklin, which I had suspected because of the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, well, and also yeah, the three guys on on the train. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And then he yeah, murders those guys. That, however, I didn't see the gun used in that in my head when I was watching promotional material for this movie. I didn't assume that the subway was going to result. And deaths by gun. Um, I did think Murray Franklin was dead from the get go. He was going to be the, you know, he's the big fish that he was going to, Arthur had to catch by the end of the movie. Yeah, that seemed right. But the subway deaths were really fucking haunting. When that first shot goes off and the dude takes a brain hit, holy crap. That was yeah. fucking wild. Once they, it, I mean, when the, the the first scene with uh, an early scene where Joaquin, is, you know, in a step, or Joaquin, uh, Arthur Fleck. Uh, is is watching uh, Murray uh, on like the first time it's established and they're setting up obviously that he has delusions where we as a viewer are going to see things that are in his head uh, and he pictures himself being you know uh, in the audience and everybody fucking loves him um, and also knowing from the trailer that uh, he eventually makes it actually on to the show right uh, yeah I was like okay so he's gonna kill De Niro on, on live television and yeah I, I was kind of like waiting for it the entire movie so it deflated some of the tension as I was just like I know I feel like I know how this ends because that would then inspire all the riots and shit we see also in the trailer uh and mm -hmm. he becomes kind of a cult uh hero which is what happens in the the movie essentially so it was it was a very predictable story yep it was the other big twist I also saw coming from a fucking mile away. So it was, there was no big surprises. Although I it was, I, I was tense the entire movie. I actually like almost had like chest pains during this film because there were some parts where I was just like so uncomfortable. I'm not watching mm -hmm. this movie again anytime soon. I, I didn't, I, I, the entire time it was just like, this is unpleasant, but in a, in a way that has value. Yeah. I don't want to say it's totally. bad, but like it, it, it was not a uh, fun experience. No, it wasn't. It was, yeah, like, okay, so most people don't enjoy Curb, your enthusiasm, because they don't find it an enjoyable experience. If you don't find the humor in what Larry David's doing, it's not going to be fun. Um, I held my pearls. I had them clutched the whole fucking time. I was. I was had hands, like, up in the air, like, next to my chin, like, oh, my God, this movie is intense. Yeah, me too. It was sad. There were moments I was, like, legitimately sad, like, when Arthur 
has his pathological laughter like fits, like his yeah. laughing tick, like those moments where he's like, I'm like the with the woman with the child in the bus. And he like hands her the cards. Your first time you get like the idea that he hands people cards. It's like that's the only way he communicates. But she's just like so disgusted and he's like so sad by it. And then like you're just like, oh, that's horrible. Like it's ruining this moment for him. And now everyone's staring at him and he has to deal with this. And but that's probably like the day to day for him. But the movie then goes and elaborates um, on like really bad scenarios, like having this laughing tick when these assholes on the subway are like essentially, you know, these murderers or whatever, these guys that are going to sit, could be murderers. They're going to, I mean, who knows how far they would take in the beating of Arthur and, you know, how far they would have taken the attack on that woman. But, um, you have like this moment when you like, you don't want to draw attraction. It's deliberately left ambiguous so that you still sympathize with Arthur, but also judge him for clearly his murdering. action. Like the, the little bit where the yeah. one, one guy is, is, like running away and climbing up the stairs and he sh shoots him completely defenseless. They, that's the scene. Like that's the bit without that. It, you Arthur would be almost justified in self-defense, but you have to have yeah. that, that little bit of the edge where he w just, just barely walks over it before. Obviously he goes completely insane and is just murdering people. Yeah. Cause he shoots him in the leg. Right. Yeah. And then he like walks and then he walks over and he shoots him until he falls into the, uh, uh the stairs. Then he shoots him again in the stairs. Yeah. And then doesn't he just shoot him a, a second time? Like he just unloads on him, yeah. Like when, once the dude's dead, he like just fires off another bullet shot. But that's horrifying because you feel already for Arthur having this this nervous tick of his laughing, and this you know like actual like chemical imbalance in his brain that's causing this, and and like you're like oh man this is going to turn out horrible and it and it does and and there's other moments like when it turns out horrible at Pogo's, uh, the comedy <laughs> club, yeah. and and like that's terrifying to watch too because you're like oh this is his big moment and it's like falling apart and he's like everyone's laughing at him for laughing and no one gets this is like a condition that he has um that's that's hard to watch that was really fucking hard to watch it was really sad and then to get his origin story about being an abused child like that was that was just ah oh, that's just fucking like it's just like that's so fucked up like oh my god like more like pile it on more please i read online that some people took the abuse as sexual from her like boyfriends, the uh, Penny uh, uh, Penny Flex boyfriends she had. I didn't. I just read it as uh, physical violence. Yeah, they don't write it that way because it's specifically like chained him to a uh, like radiator. Yeah, radiator, yeah, and so. he had brain damage and shit. You don't get brain damage from a dick in your head over and over again. Like, I don't think so. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm assuming that like it was just he was getting beaten. He was getting beaten. I think was the implication. Yeah. And that was just so fucked up. Like, all of this shit. Like, you do. You really feel horrible for this character. And then, like, he has these, like, fleeting moments of, like, happiness when he's, like, with that woman he met, you know, in the elevator. When he Zazzy goes Beats. on dates with her. Yeah, Zazzy Beach. She's back. She's back in a Cool Boys episode. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's, she's good. Uh, she's not really good she's in this hot. movie because they don't give her anything to work with because they're trying to keep it deliberately vague as to... Uh, her effect upon him so that they can yeah, later establish. Yeah, but she still did a better job than Margot Robbie did in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I feel like. I, like, I'm, I actually understood more of this imaginary character that Arthur created than I understood who, like, you know, Margot Robbie was playing in uh, and, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I felt like Margot Robbie's version was, like, just written to the point where it's just like, okay, what, uh, like you just your feet you're sleeping and you're driving in cars and you're watching yourself on screen i haven't seen once a fun time in hollywood yet that's really all that, that role is and consists of okay it, but i like this as he beats character the imaginary character even though something fell off 
as soon as he goes and kisses her after he murders the subway guys. No, that's where you know that it's, it's in his You're head. like, oh, all right. So this is all totally fucking fake. The door closes on its own. Like, it's like all super romantic and not real in any way. And then I started thinking, okay, was the subway kills real? And then, of course, it is because it's like in the newspaper the next day or whatever. Yeah, well, maybe none of it was real. Uh, that's also a, a thing in the movie. Let's get to that at the end. Let's pretend that all of this is real to now, at least. And then we'll discuss that because there's a lot to discuss there for sure. Well, yeah, there's there's the things that the movie deliberately tells you aren't real, uh, which is everything with Zazie Beats being there and everything where he's on the Murray Franklin show the first time and he's right. just watching it. Uh, but like, yeah, so we don't know what is and isn't happening, but we'll assume that everything is I don't know. I, I I would have preferred to be a little more clear of what is real and what's not real. Like how? Like you mean color grading? No, just uh, I mean like Fight Club does it. You know, it gives you a good idea of uh, of okay, here's how this worked. Oh, they did that with her, right? They only did it with her. With who? With oh, with, uh, with Sophie Dumman's character, the Zazie Beach's character, where um. Yeah, where they flash back to what the reality was. Right. Yes, they only do it right. with her. So the fact that they did the the movie narratively says, okay, this wasn't real. Here's what was really happening. This wasn't real. This here's what was really happening. But then also at the very end, kind of gives you that little maybe none of it happened. Uh, right. I I don't know. I, I get I get it. You know, that's the part of the the Joker's thing. The unreal. He's an unreliable narrator. Uh, multiple choice Heath Ledger telling different stories about how he got the scars mm-hmm. uh, killing joke Joker talking about how he preferred to ha- tell the whole you know backstory of the killing joke might have not been true because Joker prefers this backstory to be multiple choice uh, mm-hmm. I get that that's a facet of the character I love the killing jokes backstory though it's so good also Arthur Fleck in that yeah that's where the name comes from right yeah not Jack Napier yeah that's the only time it's Arthur Fleck is killing joke and then this movie yeah but this this is totally not the killing joke because the killing joke he's a more or less sane person who uh undergoes like a horrible horrible experience where his like wife or girlfriend dies and then he gets thrown into the vat of chemicals this yes. joke uh, this, yes. this guy's he, just he mentally red Ill. hood yeah he's red hood too he's also like one of the early incarnations of red hood like the second or third red hood and um yeah they throw him into uh, the vat of like uh, of ace chemicals uh, I, I, yeah, but um, other than that, it's fairly it's very close, like tonally to the origin of the Killing Joke. Otherwise, Killing Joke is about a fully fledged, completely realized Joker that's just tearing apart Gotham and Batman's life. And yeah. Commissioner Gordon as well, as well as Barbara. And the Ace Chemicals is a factor only in Nicholson and I guess the uh, animated series Joker had the Ace Chemical shit too. Oh, and so did I Jared guess Jared Leto. Jared Leto did too. I guess yeah, that's right. He threw he threw um, uh, Harley Quinn into there. Into did, the boy, Ace boy, did that not fucking fit with the fucking tattooed gangsta goth uh, <laughs> Joker no. at all? What? what and, all. and there's and he's insane because he fell into a vat of chemicals. Did he mm-hmm. have the tattoos first? Oh, <laughs> uh, who knows? Yeah, we can only hope, right? Yeah, we can only hope. I fell into a, a vat of chemicals that made me go insane and bleach my skin white. And then I decided damaged across the forehead would be a good addition to this. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Maybe he had it, you know, done in white ink and it like did an invert channel when he fell in there. And it was like now black ink. Oh, my gosh. He didn't really want it that pronounced. And it, oh, no, it's super pronounced now. Yeah. But Ledger, obviously, no Ace Chemicals. And this Joker, Ace Chemicals would have been uh, pretty contradictory to the tone. Right. So this Joker is a clown and that's that's clown makeup. 
Yeah. He has a clown job. It he's okay at his clown job. He gets beaten up by kids. He brings a gun into a children's <laughs> hospital and drops it on the floor. Um, he's, he's okay not at the it. Best <laughs> clown. He's really good at the makeup, and I love watching the makeup scenes. Honestly, and yeah. I thought the makeup they did was so such a good choice on the, the Joker makeup, where it was like the it was almost the mask that uh, Heath Ledger's Joker wears the beginning in the prologue of the Dark Knight. It was almost like that mask, if I'm not mistaken, as an actual painting on a face. Yeah, I think and that's... they did a great job of like making him feel creepy when he's painting himself, and like the licking of the tongue, which I, I actually wondered from the trailers. I'm like, what? I wonder what how that plays into the movie. And then it doesn't play anything in the movie, and then he just licks his tongue with the paintbrush or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's just that he's putting his own spit into his fucking makeup. Yeah, because he's just a creep. Yeah, and I like how they like the Murray Franklin show. Just like I guess lets him have his makeup on. Like I just feel like they would have been like, okay, wash it off. You can't go on the show like this with a riot going on just outside, a protest going on just outside. With everyone dressed like clowns and killing people. Yeah, they're just like clowns, and you're gonna come onto the Murray Franklin show dressed as a clown. Yeah, yeah. But um, I liked that was the origin to the character, along with obviously his issue with laughing, and that kind of turned it into this different story. And yeah. this is a Joker that we kind of mentioned earlier. Uh, we talked about Jokers that are corporate Joker, right? The Joker that can handle a massive fleet of of hired goons to take on, you know, all the tasks you need. Yeah, I still see it as mafia more than corporate. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Where, where the Joker, ha- like there's a hierarchy and he's actually giving people orders. Right. Yeah, that's not what this Joker would be able to this do. This Joker could never do that. <laughs> no. He could never do that. No. <laughs> this Joker essentially functions on, on, on the riot madness. And it even had the feeling of like the way they pulled him out of the car at the very end when he got into the car accident. Yeah. And they pulled by the ambulance hitting him. And they pull him out of the car and they just lay him on the hood. Like Jesus. It was almost as if like the riot was almost like, 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 all right, you're good, but whatever. We'll just leave you here. Like, like you're not living or whatever. We'll let you die on the hood. Like they didn't care to save him. It wasn't until he just stood up and started dancing eh. that you're almost like, oh, okay. So they kind of revered him as like a symbol because he just killed Murray on TV. But I, yeah, that, that was, that was the closest he gets to being like, like in charge. And even then it doesn't seem like he'd be able to be like, all right, now we're going to do this. And, and everybody would yeah. fucking follow him. Um, yeah. this, yeah, this is not a Joker who would either be able to have gangsters or a number one guy, like any of that shit. Yeah, Bob. Uh, but yeah, Bob who, I mean, yeah. And like, yeah, he sh- shoots Bob Nicholson's Joker does, but that's the first time he kills one of his own Heath Ledger. It's a little more like, why, why would people willingly work for the joke? The Heath Ledger Joker when he's just constantly killing the people who works for him. Yeah. He, he breaks the pool stick cue and then he drops it in front of the, essentially one sharp end only and he's just like all right we only have room for like one of you and there's like three dudes yeah would you be really loyal to that new boss yeah yeah but you're gonna have to be because you know he made you kill your friends for it yeah but like for that role like is he is is every like is everyone thinking that they might be killed by the joker at some point it seems a little a little preposterous uh i i I like that they handled you know the the nicholson joker a little bit better and i don't know maybe the the lead the jared leto joker at least I guess I could kind of buy people like, ah, not really. I can't buy anything no, about Jared Leto's Joker. But. I don't think anybody follows that guy except for people that wear panda masks and eyeball masks with uh, assault rifles, yeah. you know, marching into Arkham Asylum, I guess. But this Joker, uh, the the Joaquin Phoenix, Arthur Fleck Joker is not a either a, a leader of a gang, uh, believably, nor is he someone who w- has the intelligence to pose a threat to any established Batman because Batman would be able to handle this guy 
guy really easily considering he's yes. borderline illiterate. Uh, yeah. he, he can't yes. even write things. Batman yeah. would dismantle this Joker lickety split. I have seen some people claiming that like when he's stupid and borderline illiterate, it's because of uh, he had so many medications that he like his high IQ was being stifled and that when he got off the medications, he started becoming like a smart, like criminal genius. That would be a, a problem for the Batman. That's not established sure. well enough in the movie that I'm, nah, I'm going to buy it. There's something there. There's something there if you want to use that. I mean, there's no question that Todd Phillips made this film with the ability for people to draw so many different conclusions for it to be your Joker movie. Yeah. Because, like, he didn't have one clear vision. Jumping to interpretation. There's just not one vision. There was clearly not one, like, direct, clear vision. It was like, let's leave it multiple choice. And, and yeah. to its detriment, it, it's what makes the movie feel unfocused at times. But That's other, other than true. that, I did enjoy the film. I did enjoy aspects of the movie, especially dealing with Thomas Wayne. Okay. To talk about Batman, for instance, why don't we talk about when Joker actually comes across Batman in the movie? Yeah. He goes and sees Bruce Wayne, who goes down a pole, just like the 1966 Batman movies. Like I was just like, oh, there it is. Like that pole. I'm, I'm like, I guarantee you, that pole is a slight nod to the 66 Batman. And I didn't even think about that, but I do remember now what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I saw it, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, of course the poles. Of course, the poll. Mm. Um, and I don't know what. Maybe it's just because for me, I associate writing polls with three things: firefighters, Batman, and Ghostbusters. No. That's it. So, I associate writing polls with having a fun Saturday. See, you associate with strip clubs, which is a much better answer than what I just gave. No, I was thinking about like a poll, like a dick, like like butt oh. sex, but um. Oh, so I thought you meant stripper poles. Yeah, no, stripper poles are uh, yeah, uh, awesome. So. He meets uh, 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 Bruce Wayne, which is kind of a really creepy scene, but you very elements of Bruce Wayne watching this child act. You see, he's studying him. He's like he's like analyzing he's what the fuck is this wrong with this guy kind of. Yes. Thing. Bruce Wayne is in this kid. This kid's doing a great job. And then you have Alfred Pennyworth show up. Totally Alfred Pennyworth. Credits confirm it. And the guy yeah, is a is. dick. He's an asshole of a fucking butler, but then you're like, no, he's not. He's being be. totally reasonable. This creepy guy who's at a gate fucking putting his fingers in this, in this kid's mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But he's kind of a dick, too, which I love because he would need to be a stern person to be like in command of so much fortune. I mean, let's face it. Alfred is in command of a lot of the Wayne Manor's fortune. He, like he's yeah. dealing with the way the like their, their actual collateral is handled. Paintings, furniture, really expensive shit, I'm sure. Yeah. Along with, you know, everything else that happens in the house. And like yeah. And Bruce and being Bruce's like guardian or, or au pair. Uh, that's not what au pair means, but uh, who knows what it means? It, it's, Maybe a, the French. It's, a, it's a program for uh, French Canadian extracts to uh, be like live in nannies. Oh, okay, I did not know that. Cool. All but right. it's but established. Anyway. But it, the term only refers to people from other countries coming to America because it's uh, or other countries because it's a it's a program. He's not an au pair. He's from He's England. a caregiver, I would say. And and he's from England. He's from another country. And what if he was? What if he's England? Via yeah, Canada? but he's, he's clearly the executor of uh, the estate. Uh, he is. No, he, you're right. The, the he Wayne is, estate. Sure. So he he probably you know pulls in a, a good six figures. Oh, um, dude, and he lives on the estate, so he's not paying for any, like, rent at all. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, you got to factor that into it to, to a position. I thought this, Alfred was fine. He, he was, for his I, he one was scene. He was fat, too. I love that he was fat as fuck. I loved it. Particularly fat, but he was, he was definitely. He was fat. Okay, by the this way. This wasn't the SAS. Uh, the Wayne men in this movie were fat. Thomas Wayne was fat, and Alfred Pennyworth were fat. 
they were fatter than typical interpretations. I don't know. I, I I never think that much about Thomas Wayne. You know, he's not really he's he's just destined to die. He gets the most screen time in Batman Begins, probably. I think he gets the most screen time in this movie. Than yeah, but that's this Thomas is it's Wayne. hard to had hard to accept this Thomas Wayne is like a, a real Thomas Wayne when that Batman will never become. Uh, it's also weird that Brett Cullen, I think that's his name, the actor's name, was also in The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, that's weird, too. It's, so, thinking about it's that. just like uh, it's a little insidu- uh, incestuous but um, <laughs> and insidious. But um, yeah, so I liked him as Thomas Wayne. I thought he did a great job. I think Alec Baldwin was originally what they wanted for the role and he turned it down. Yeah. And uh, Makes sense. I, I, but I liked it. I liked what Thomas Wayne did. I liked I liked how he was out of touch. Well, they wanted Alec Baldwin because there's shadows of. Trump Trump in this in this Thomas Wayne and and which is funny because you know he's posited as the villain of this movie I mean we we right. eventually have to get into a little bit of the controversies but just like uh yeah so he, there's there's Trumpian qualities in in Thomas Wayne the fact that he's ru- about to run for mayor which we don't typically get from Thomas Wayne I don't think that's I've ever noticed uh, had a backstory where he was a mayoral candidate when he got murdered or that his murder had political vibes to it outside of just the, you know, the, the wealth inequality, the fact that Joe Schill was right. really poor and, and hungry and such. Um, well, but- early, early, early Batman, just so we're clear, there's a lot of things people derive as the original origin of Batman and his parents being murdered in an alley. It's the original version of Batman um, origin of that. It's like maybe six panels and it's just like, oh, they were in an alley. They got shot by this dude. Yeah. And, and then that was it. And there were it pearls. That, and, yeah, that's in the pearls. Yeah, I, I think that's about it. Even the Mark of Zorro wasn't added until a little bit later. Yeah. As that was the movie they were walking out of. And this one was Zorro the Gay Blade because it's 80s. I know. Uh, but yeah. Um, Zorro the Gay Blade, which is like an actual movie. Yeah. But they say that, that this is where the movie's confused politics come into play because, yes, uh, Joker's followers or his his uh fans or the people who are inspired by the subway killing to don joker masks where they they riot pretty clearly based on antifa and uh the fact that they're Hmm. holding up signs that say resist and eat the rich which are real fucking antifa signs and stuff and uh the fact that like the move to to the just joker's perspective Thomas Wayne is kind of the villain and he's dismissive. He's like, no, no, your story that you've heard about you being my son is complete bullshit. Um, And then the movie later pretty much confirms that. And Thomas Wayne is acting pretty realistic. Uh, He, I mean, you're a dad. If somebody fucking showed up at your gate and was like being creepy to your your son, you punched that and then showed up in a bathroom. It was like, you you, you punched that fucker right in the face. He's completely justified in everything he says and does every day uh, to that Joker. So uh, he, it's like, he's not the villain of the story. We know that the Joker is the bad guy and that the people who are following him are the bad guys. I like this political message. If it, if it has one, I like the cultural message that like, like it, yes, uh, we do need better mental health care. Yes, wealth inequality is a problem, but riding in the streets and random violence and killing the rich uh, is not a good solution or outcome totally. outlook. And uh, yeah, there's actually people, including like 17 CNN articles, that seem to th- not think that that's an okay viewpoint, and I think it's an important no, there's one. also a lot of media that was pushed around this movie before it ever came out about how it was going to 
Yes. Essentially promote violence and attacks. It's and, like they and, wanted and it to I, happen. There's someone we know, and I, I won't get into who they are by name, you know, not to offend them, that um, actually wrote to me and was like worried about like, oh, my God, are you worried about these attacks? Like, like what if this movie causes attacks? And I pretty much wrote back to him right away. It was just like, you know, I just think the media is just kind of trying to spin something and almost trying to create a violence, like by essentially egging someone on by like someone's going to do it. Someone's going to do it. Anybody's going to do it. Maybe something will happen. Yeah. I hope nothing happens after we record this. In between now and when we air it, or even after we air it, I don't think something so. might eventually happen because that's the state of the world these days. But I, I don't think this movie was the call to arms, the call to action, you know, the 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 memoir that everyone was kind of in the media was hoping it to be. And it's kind of a joke on them in the end that it was nothing at all what they said it was. The movie is absolutely a much more toned down version of what the statements you made felt about like, you know, the rich versus the poor, but also mental illness and the way that it's handled. The fact that like he has someone he sees provided by the state, right. Or the city. And then it's, she's taken away by funding being cut. Yeah. Which is a Reagan dig. Uh, I think. Right. And then therefore he, this person is now left without getting his medication. Doesn't have anyone to talk to anymore to help vent, to help keep an eye on him, to make sure he's not going too crazy or too off the wall, to making sure he's still showing up to his means to provide his journal that has headless naked women in there. <laughs> like random fucking like random, random comments like, uh, uh, I just hope my death makes more sense than my life. Uh, like, there was, like, there were shades kind of, like, of the Columbine kids there too. Yeah. For sure. Like that's kind of scary shit to read. Oh, yeah. And then. And then, like, you don't have that person anymore. And then he goes and he talks to Brian Tyree Henry for some reason in this movie. And he's there just to pretty much not hand Arthur the folder that Arthur gets by headbutting the gate. And he finds out all the dirt, right? All this shit about him and all the stuff about the abuse from him that he's adopted and all that stuff. Yeah, the movie is much more a comment on, like, helping those that need, like, have mental illness. Like, help them. Yeah. Like, give them aid. And, like, let's not take away from them. And let's not forget them and leave them helpless. Yeah, there, that that is a, a message. And it's an important one. Um, in, in response to the, what you're talking about with the, uh, almost seems like the opposite with some media co- coverage where they, they wanted this movie to inspire something horrible to uh, happen. There's a... Egging it on. A, Egging it on. You can search for this. There's a great thread on Twitter that... that completely encapsulates it, which where there was a CNN article about just without any cited references. And their only facts they cite was that the uh, Aurora shooter was dressed as the Joker because he was already, there's already been one shooting inspired by this character, that something with horrible is going to happen. That there was an NYPD announcement saying uh, that, yeah, we're going to put cops undercover all over theaters to make sure there's not going to be a shooting because of uh, credible threats. And they cited then the CNN article, which didn't cite any reasonable, you know, actual threats or anything, just the Aurora shooting. And then CNN, published the article published mm. an article about the NYPD announcement as proof that there were there was a credible concern that this movie was inspiring so violence. It. So it was just a circular fucking uh jerk of <laughs> of, yeah, of, of an Ouroboros. Yes, uh, of them confirming their own uh b- bias that it, it is pathetic. And and it's like this movie isn't going to inspire people to do horrible things. No. This movie's gonna inspire people to think, okay, we need to rethink how healthcare. And if and again, hey, I'm a libertarian. I'm not in favor of many social services but i do believe that mental health care needs to be i prefer it be done at the state level than the federal but mm-hmm. I, it absolutely needs to be provided and needs to be looked into and by the way texas has amongst the best in the country and california has amongst the worst so i just yeah think about that from what you will
Well, Gotham isn't in California or Texas. It's it's practically New York City. It's in New York in this. It's technically in New Jersey, and most of, a lot of this movie was shot in Newark. So it looked like, but it looked like they were creating perfect nineteen seventies uh, uh, New York. Excellent work, yeah. Excellent, excellent production yeah. design, and the CG yep. was flawless. That you just could not tell. Yeah. Oh, no, totally. Maybe maybe a few shots, um, street level shots. The opening shot, you... the opening big city shot, the, the like that's all a, a, a backplate uh, from a back lot. Uh, but yeah, it, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's CG after a certain. Is part. it really that subway shot when you're kind of following the subway tracks? That one? you mean, Yeah, that, that one, but also the one where he's spinning the sign at the very beginning. OK, awesome. Uh, and the other one I loved also, it's not even, it's like very New Yorky feeling, like seventies, New Yorky feeling was the, uh, when they subway, you go into the subway tunnel and you're just kind of like the camera mounted on the front of the subway car. I thought that was a really sick shot. Um, good, yeah. to get back to what you were talking about, about mental illness and movies and, you know, citing violence or inciting violence. Um, uh, don't you remember when taxi driver came out and like the world ended and, and we weren't born because of I it? mean, there was an assassination attempt on the president that was uh, some people attribute it to being inspired. No, by you can't. That's like attributing uh, Grand Theft Auto to fucking Prince Diana, like death. Wasn't that after was Grand Theft Auto after that? I think no, I don't know. I think Grand Theft Auto was G- GTA was 99 and Princess Diana was 97. Wait, GTA, the first GTA GTA. Yeah, that was 99. No, I feel like it had to be like 96 or 97. Let's Google. Or something like that. All right, yeah, Joker time, GTA, Princess Diana deaths, comparisons. Oh, yeah, uh, released for Windows October 1997, Play- ported to PlayStation in 1998. But when did Die Die? Princess. August 31st, what year, though? Princess Die. This is going to be a weird-ass Google result. Jul- oh, uh, August 1997. Okay, so she died before GTA was released. Yeah. Okay, you're right. Maybe she calls GTA to happen. Oh my God! They made them. They made the game because of it. No, oh, well, that's that's that's. For there sure. is a fucking uh, mission in GTA uh, four or five where you're. I think it's in a couple GTAs where you have to chase someone as a paparazzi, yeah. and then you like you crash them, and then you have to like not talk about yeah, you, it. You just drive away. Yeah, I think it's. I think it might be in the uh, San Andreas one that just came out, even like a Lindsay Lohan type. Or yeah, something like that's that. GTA five. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> Princess died in GTA. Welcome to the Joker spoiler cast. Woo! All right, okay. I got a couple questions for you, Falcon. Then we can get into the into the big shit. Okay. Yes. Thomas Wayne is he Arthur's dad? What do you like to believe? Obviously, there's no definitive answer that is intentional. But what do you like to believe? I mean, I think it, it does give a definitive answer that no, the, that he was adopted and the, the mom is fucking crazy. Uh, okay, I read it differently. Uh, I mean, so yeah, the the idea that the Joker is Bruce's half brother. Obviously, this Joker is never intended to be a Joker that would, on a cinematic level, be depicted as fighting. Batman, because for one thing, he's like fucking 40 years older than Batman. Uh, yeah, he'd be an old man. He'd be a, he'd be an old be man a very old, really old, old, old man. And yeah, it's left deliberate that like there's now, you know, like a thousand people who are wearing clown makeup and inspired or masks and are inspired by this Joker. So that the idea that Jared the real Joker? Joker might be uh, the one of the, the goons who's just, you know, the Antifa guys who just gets inspired by this Joker. Oh Maybe God. the Joker is the Joker who kills Thomas Wayne in this movie uh, because the Joker was, you know, the Joker. <gasps> Jack Napier? That's Jack Napier that's who Jack kills Na- him. Maybe that's the, Jack and, Napier. Yeah. Wow. And I like to still think that Jared Leto was somewhere in that crowd and he he got really inspired by that and became the Joker later. He would have been a, a, a young boy. 
Uh, 30 seconds of Mars. He was just like, he was just like thinking about some songs too. then too. Um, I like to think that Thomas Wayne, I, I was watching the film and there was a couple lines in there that I connected with. And I just took those as my answer. Um, when they talk about how he's rich enough, Thomas Wayne being rich enough and powerful enough to be able to manipulate and forge documents. I was like, Oh yeah, that's kind of true. And to me, but so in the movie, there was just, yeah, that's in the movie that I can't remember who says that. I think it's either Penny says it. Or Arthur says okay. it. Um, and then the other thing was, it was kind of the way uh, he acted when he finally came across Arthur. It was almost as if he knew him, but knew of him more. Like, I don't know. There was like, it was more weight to it. It's hard to describe for me. It's a lot like how Han Solo reacts to Rey in Force Awakens, that there's this weight to it that's like, okay, you know Rey, Han. Like, you know Ray from something else. Like, you're just not saying it, and you're going to die and take it to your grave and not ever tell Ray. But there's Until something... Ryan Johnson fucks it up. Well, yeah. So, yeah, ruin Johnson. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, I, for me, I think that, like, there was something there. And I still think there's something there. That's why I've always thought Ray is a Skywalker. It doesn't matter, though, because this is, this is a one-off. And it's like, we'll never get a definitive answer. I, I, if you're saying that the point yes. is that it and doesn't that, give you a, a definitive answer. Correct. Yeah, that, that, that's fine. I, I, again, it's open to interpretation is, like, it the is. theme of this fucking movie. Yeah, so I like. I'm just saying. I take the uh, I take the answer that I think it was uh, Thomas, and he was powerful enough because a his mom Penny was hot when she was young. Was that the waitress and from Sunny? I could, no, I don't think so. It, was, it looked it, just it, like her. That's what I thought it was. She was beautiful. She was very beautiful. And then she's been in um, something else. Let's find out. There's something I saw online afterwards where apparently she has a, a postcard or a photo of her, and it's signed on the back like from TW or something or Love or Heart TW. So Thomas Wayne. But people have been like, who knows? Maybe she wrote that. All right, next question. Sophie Dumman, right? Zazie beats his character, her daughter. It's late at night. We find out in one simple, awesome line that she doesn't even really remember Arthur. And you know, right then and there, oh crap. Really, truly, everything I saw of him with her is fake. And he might kill him. And he looks creepy and he's like hunched over, wet hair, saying he had a bad day. Yeah. Which is, a, which is a killing walk- joke reference, I think. Yeah. And I walked out of that scene going, okay, he killed him. He killed both I don't them. know. I don't think we're supposed to imply that. But again, it's open to interpretation, is the point of the Here's movie. Here's the only reason I do debate myself with that one. There are sirens right afterwards that everyone's like, there's sirens, but I, whatever. Those sirens could be for anything. That sirens could have been her calling the cops because. Yes. But, or they could have literally just been like, you know, sirens in a big city. Um, I, I, I have to wonder about the timetable and I have to see it on a second viewing that like, it's like how quickly after she dies, quote unquote, and her child dies, quote unquote, does Arthur also then kill Randall in his apartment with the scissors, but lets the midget, the, I'm sorry, the little person, the LP go from game of Thrones. And then how does he do that? Like what's that time span before going into the Murray Franklin show? If that was all a course of like maybe 12 hours, then I can believe that he may have killed them in there and left them there to die or be found later. But if it was like days later, there's no way he killed them. Then he would have been found. There's no way they would be like, Oh, how'd they die? Maybe let's check the people on the floor. I do guess the cops were kind of onto him, though, huh, by that point, because they are chasing him that day. Yeah, he, uh, that was another thing where I was just like, how is this Joker not just going to go to jail? Uh, but I guess 
he does, you know, and the Joker could escape. Although not this, so this how Joker. how does he get to jail, though? What? But how does he actually get to jail? So think about that. We last see him. He's dancing on top of a, of a cop car hood. Yeah. Right? That's been hit by an ambulance amongst a crowd of everyone that loves him. And the next time we find him, he is in, in a insane asylum. We do not ever see the arrest, right? Now, that's obviously on purpose. Because he may have been in the insane asylum for a long time. Maybe. Right. You know, but so does he get arrested just because he would naturally have been found at some point? Anyways? Yeah, once the riots die down, I don't know. I kind of thought yeah. that like, okay, they're gonna make it clear that like these guys are like gonna protect him and keep him in an undisclosed location so he never goes to jail and eventually comes to somehow somehow a, a leader. They didn't right. have time for that shit, so the, the, they they just cut to the very ambiguous thing where he's in in jail and he, or in an insane asylum and can very easily kill someone there. Uh, unless, of course, that also is uh, an hallucination. And then he lets out the laugh, which is different than all the other laughs because it's the first time he really laughs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's very true. Um, so before we now. get to the the ending, the Insane Asylum, one more question. Did Murray Franklin get what he fucking deserved, Phil? No, of course not. Like he, the, the character is just obviously a Johnny Carson-esque character who uh i mean johnny carson probably I, did I, yeah. mean shit like that and he like that that's from the carson show sh showing uh horrible stand-up comedians uh and just kind of laughing at them like ooh, he would he would do that shit i think and, and uh you know that's not maybe the nicest but at the time it didn't strike anyone as particularly mean or anything and and uh no i mean obviously it, it the, thicker skins yeah back then we did um so yeah Absolutely. it's it's like i think that's intended to just uh set him up as enough of an antagonist that you understand where, why Arthur shoots him, but at the same time acknowledge that like, yeah, this is, this is a bad guy now. So I took the Murray Franklin character as kind of a, uh, a, an analog of the popular Twitter bully, the type of Twitter, Twitter bully that's popular and makes the popular choices and everybody likes them and they're followed by a lot of people yeah but at the same time it's still bullying people because they're not doing the way they want them to do it like ellen degeneres laughing at poor rich evans oh my god that's right that's right she did yeah because he's wearing the party uh the dick 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 party boy shirt or whatever it is dick yeah. the birthday boy <laughs> yeah dick the birthday boy um but yeah we, we talk about this in justice for august ames where august ames is essentially bullied to death yeah. Just suicide. Um, I kind of thought of Murray Franklin as uh, as as a version of that role, kind of you know, uh, an, an amalgamation of all of those things as as a character in the movie. Popular person making fun of people. Yeah, doing the thing that was popular back in the seventies, even as you mentioned, things that were done on other talk shows. Um, I don't know if it was Carson, but yeah, I mean, rings fucking true. Uh, could have been Merv Griffin. Could have been fucking who who knows. But. Um, I I kind of watched that scene. I was like, holy shit, like this guy is, you know, unleashing on on Murray right here. And it, yeah, he did not deserve what he fucking got. But it was so brutal, the death that it was shot wide and it was so haunting. Yeah, it was very that was a, that, that scene was one of the it's, it's the best scene in the movie. And it's so fucking tense. And it's the way he kind of. Like you watch him stand up, he doesn't really know what to do. He like dances for half a second, and he turns, and he realizes he has some more bolts in the gun, so he shoots a couple more times into Murray, and then he kind of like walks up to the camera, and is just as he's about to say his great line, his one liner, his solid one liner. It's such a great Joker moment to cut away and not hear it. Like it's just, 
it was fucked up. And and I saw the um, I've seen on YouTube the death of that. I don't remember the guy's name. It's the guy that was like uh, the 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 city councilman or the news the news oh, yeah, or yeah. whatever. The it was. hey man, nice so shot like, guy. <laughs> yeah, and he like shot himself like in the head like on live air, and that's like people saw it, and like it was it was graphic and it was very small and like something we talked about with Schindler's List. It's like Bud Dwyer. I think. It's hard for us to Bud like the, uh, like look at like moments like someone dying in Schindler's List and not go, this is different than every other death I've ever seen in like Commando. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just really small. The deaths are small and real. Anyways, this movie was that. This was like yes. not at all the BVS Batman warehouse fight. It was like the exact opposite. <laughs> yes, it was very, very realistic uh, depictions of violence, which made it chilling. And it wouldn't be right to have it uh, any other way in the story. Very chilling. The way Robert De Niro's mouth like deformed when it was shot in the head. And then like his head was just emptying out like into like the carpet below him. And there's blood splatter on the backdrop behind him. It was just like and the shot just held forever. Like it was really like it was like just like a fucking horrific image to watch. It was just like wow, and it's like thank God Almo Drafthouse had that poster that was like this is not a movie for children. Batman's not even in it, and for love of God, do not bring your kids in here. There were kids in my theater, I'm pretty sure. You, okay, so I had kids for It Chapter Two, and you were like shocked by that. I am literally shocked that there's kids at this movie. Yeah, well, some parents don't fucking look at ratings. I was I was amongst uh, a sea of adults for this one for sure. Oh really? Okay, yeah. I, uh, but yeah, just enough that like I, I was like, oh, this is gonna be weird. There's also just a, a, a tinge of like, pretty sure there's cops here, uh, <laughs> just in case. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think there was any cops in my theater at all. Yeah, I think that there there probably was one. Uh, just just because L.A., you know, they should probably be guarding banks <laughs> and stuff that. If I was a cop on like the beat of having to watch Joker all day long to make sure no one does anything bad, I, God, that would be a horrible day. <laughs> I would hope I a had a good disposition in general and b really liked Joker, <laughs> like like enjoyed that movie. Yeah, God, that would be an awful movie to watch more than once in the same day. Well, the talk about in the movie as a whole now something we've been teasing this whole time, of course. So is this whole movie in Joker's head? Is the whole movie, other than the one glimpse you get in the beginning when it says, except for that one time you were in the insane asylum and then cuts to him banging his head against the glass and then cuts away, that could be the only real other moment in the movie. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, the answer is uh, it, it's open to interpretation because it doesn't matter. The The thing is that he Correct. is the Joker at the end of the movie. It doesn't matter what's real or what's not. What matters is that he is finally accepted that he enjoys killing it doesn't matter if the top is spinning or not yes yes exactly it doesn't matter it matters that he i don't give looking. a shit though felk i want to know what do you think is the movie in his head how do you see the ending well all movies are in someone's head you know okay but is the movie in the joker's head do you believe it was like is the joke he's telling this movie we just watched or do you think he's in an insane asylum arkham maybe even because of the events of the film. I'll interpret it as yes, the the, the movie really happens. Same. Uh the shit that do, that that isn't uh, real like Thomas Wayne being his father is 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 
made clear enough. And uh, obviously, Zazie Beats is the movie itself makes it clear. And uh, the, this is just he gets arrested at some point, And now he's the Joker and he's in a mental institution because eventually the riot would die down. And this guy's not enough of a criminal genius, nor the rioters uh, enough of a organization to <laughs> yeah, help him. Or prevent, a wall of security. Yeah, prev- force yes, threat. prevent him from being taken by the police. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, he's, he was busted like two days later. He had 48 hours of, of amazing celebrity as Joker. And then, boom, he was arrested immediately in the next 48 yeah, hours. And when he's 68 years old, he'll bust out of Arkham and fight Batman mm-hmm. somehow. With his cunning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Batman, who's supposed to be a genius uh, and, uh, and the right. world's greatest detective, would uh, have a lot of problem with a guy who can't spell sense. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, or, or control virtually any element of his own life. Or, or, or what was the other thing he wrote? He wrote, um, he wrote uh, on his little notepad when he was at Pogo's watching the other comedian. Sexy jokes are funny. Sexy jokes always funny. I was like, yes, sexy jokes are always funny. But he didn't write R. He just wrote sexy jokes always funny. Yeah. I loved that. I, I thought that was hilarious. And I thought the comedian doing the car jokes uh, was it was actually there were funny jokes about the parking spot. How guys will find a girl that's just like a parking spot, like they don't care to take any parking spot. Yeah, is this a tight one? All that stuff that was pretty fucking funny shit. Yeah, I assume that was a friend of Todd Phillips or something. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of friends, Brian Callen was in this movie. He's in all Todd Phillips films. He yeah, was one I of the uh, uh, clowns putting on clown makeup at the end when uh, uh, Arthur quit or was fired eventually and walked out there finally and punched out. Yeah. Justin Thoreau also has a weird cameo in this movie, which right, he's the celebrity. Justin Thoreau now has connections to DC, Star Wars, and DMCU. Justin Thoreau is everywhere. He's everything. He's everywhere you want to be. It is weird that um, he, he like has also a non-verbal cameo in uh, in Star Wars: The Worst Jedi. Yeah, that's yeah. He, he unfortunate. Yeah, and he's also a, a cameo that just seems like he's almost playing like an old Bond character. Yeah. Kind of a weird cameo. Um, oh, speaking of Pogos, uh, everyone else has touched upon it, but we should as well because this is our second clown spoiler cast. Um, Pogos is a reference to the clown John Wayne Gacy played when he would go to children's parties. Yes. And I think it's also the clown he continues to paint or not continues. He's dead. But when he painted in prison. Yeah, they allegedly destroyed all those paintings. But then there's also theories that like a lot of people oh, yeah. have them. Uh, and say, well, guess what I have? You have one? <laughs> You know, I'm just kidding. I, I have everything usually, right? I have it's it right here. A lot of money or nothing. Who knows? It's nothing. It's like Nazi memorabilia. You can't sell it. You're just it's. You have to donate it to like you know a museum because you literally won't make money off of yeah, it. Yeah, and only fucking. I love it's always like sunny. Chris Cooper as character owns some. It's always Sunny's my best, uh, my or my favorite version of uh, Nazi memorabilia <laughs> being saved yeah. and trying to be dealt with. Um. Okay, so I, I yeah, I like to think that the events of the film did take place. He's essentially been arrested, and this is now why he's there. I also think that's why he, quote unquote, kills the doctor. So I did also read that final shot as an interpretation of: Did he actually kill the doctor? Are those bloody footprints, you know, real bloody footprints? Here's the thing: If in my head, if all this movie took place in Arthur Fleck's head as a that's the joke that he references to the doctor. Then he didn't kill the doctor because he doesn't have that murdering capability to himself. And all the bloody footprints is more of a of, you know, a metaphor of of, of, the, of the life he wants to live or something like that or the joke that he wants to tell. But I don't see the movie that way. I see the movie as a straight for the most part, you know, a narrow telling of the, this this guy's 
essentially descent into madness. And I see that he did kill the the doctor. So I do think he did kill the doctor. Do you think he did that? I know it's left ambiguous again. It's open to interpretation. It's open to interpretation. But what do you think? He killed the doctor. Yeah. Yeah, I'm willing to accept within the narrative of the movie that it happened. But the point of the narrative is that it doesn't matter because. He, he, does, he, doesn't, it's he doesn't care what's real or not. I, I don't know. It's, it's some comic that from the Joker's perspective, like yeah. he might not Batman not might not even be real. That Batman's an hallucination of an insane man. But but mm. he, he is real. But we as the audience can't know. There's I think there are shades of that in the killing joke uh, with the end story where Batman either possibly kills him or just laughs at his stupid joke. Well, there's also the, the referencing to that. Um, if you're looking at the panels, like the last three panels are pushing in on a puddle and you're seeing a reflection of Batman strangling Joker or putting his hands on his shoulder as they're both laughing and then the laughter stops. But the final puddle also removes all reflections of Batman and Joker. No one's in that puddle huh. in the final shot. So um, is anyone really there? Ooh, yeah. who knows? I would um, uh, like to say, though, that um, for me... One of my favorite little Easter eggs about this movie is that Frances Conroy, who played Penny Fleck, yeah, she was in Catwoman, and she was the Cat Witch. Oh, God, that's right. Halle Berry, her powers. And she talks about how cat people and cat women are the most free women in all the world because they don't have to obey anyone or do anything that anyone says. Yeah, there's a photo of Michelle Pfeiffer on, like, her dresser. <laughs> Uh, we should do a spoiler. We should do a commentary of Catwoman some of these days. Oh yeah, for sure. That'd be a good one. Yeah, Catwoman commentary. It's a ninety. It's like an eighty-nine minute movie. And there's a basketball scene that's incredibly cut. It's so amazing. Yeah, and very well put together. Yeah. So um, I hear thought that, that Dave, was hear that David Ayer. You 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 still did not direct the worst DC movie by a mile. No, that honor goes to Petoff. But um, I would say. For me, after Catwoman, it might be Suicide Squad, honestly. It's, no, because it has Will Smith and Margot Robbie's really good. Jonah Hex is next. I did not like Jonah Hex much. Yeah, I, that's that's a, that's a, a contender. Uh, Jonah Hex is definitely. Yep. Um, I feel like we've touched upon everything I can think of about Joker uh, at this point. Um, except one thing, Phil. <gasps> Wait, is Jonah Hex in the same like continuity as Batman? Yes. He, he does exist in that world. Yeah, there's a Batman the Animated Series episode about Jonah Yeah, Hex. okay, yeah. So, Felk, this is unfortunately the DCFU, not the MCU, but where the abs? Uh, throughout the movie, we see uh, uh, it's Jared Leto. Uh, <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix's incredibly frail uh, 50 pounds of weight loss body. So ding, they're ding, there. Ding. They're all over. They're in a lot of shots. He's in his underwear quite a bit. That's it. That's right. Yay! I just figured that because was, his rib cage was really pronounced, and I just couldn't stop staring at his rib cage the whole fucking movie. Yeah, I don't know why. I really was just like, all right, well, uh, here's Joaquin's uh, rib cage, and I'm really getting good looks at it all movie long. Okay, so now round this whole thing out. Let's do our ranking of Joker in past DC films. We're not rating or ranking the films. We are just ranking Joker as a character in. Six different cinematic Batman experiences. Felk, would you like to go first? Yeah, my brain's kind of still trying to think of worse DC films than Suicide Squad. We've got Steel. We've got Supergirl. We've got Green Lantern. Supergirl's not bad. Green Lantern is garbage. Okay. 
that's so far the ones I can think of. Yeah, Steel. Um, I don't think I ever saw Steel. I just because I don't know. I wasn't really into it. I, I'm not into Shaq. I guess as an actor, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you know, and then there's the movies like V for Vendetta and Constantine. Not bad movies. I love Constantine, own it, and V for Vendetta. Uh, I didn't care for much, but it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Wait, how is Definitely. Red is a DC movie? The yeah, Red and Red Two. Yeah, they're both DC films. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that. That's interesting. But Red's good. Uh, Red Two's not very good. I didn't, Red yeah, is, I didn't see Red, Red is two. good. So, so saw 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 Red One. Uh, so Felk. Yeah, let's let's rank these movies quickly. List them: Batman the movie from '66, Batman from '89, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, The Dark Knight. Suicide Squad and Joker. Go ahead, Felk. We're ranking them based on their Joker, not based on the right. You're the movie. just ranking Joker in the movie. You're not ranking the films at all. Uh, worst to best, uh, obviously Suicide Squad. Joker, the worst. I guess then followed by Batman '66, then Joker, then Batman '89, uh, then Mask of the Phantasm, then Ledger, then The Dark Knight. Yeah, um, I'm pretty close to that. Uh, yeah, so I'd say the worst is Suicide Squad. And then uh, Cesar Romero's Batman, the movie Joker. Yeah. Uh, then um, I might actually go and put... No, I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's Joker, it's Joaquin Phoenix, and then it's Jack Nicholson's Joker and Batman, and then it's uh, Mark Hamill's and Mask of the Phantasm, and then it's uh, Heath Ledger for uh, The Dark Knight. Yeah. Complete symmetry. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, and, and if I haven't said it enough, uh, never mind. I said it enough. <laughs> cool Boy Nation, tell us what you thought about Joker and how many five, wait, and how many boys what? out of five you would give it by emailing us at the cool boys podcast at gmail.com. Important distinction there. Let them know out of five. Yeah, that's true. Uh, half boys count, and, and and you can go all the way down to zero boys. Yes. New episodes of the Cool Boys podcast come out every week, but usually on Tuesdays. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Cool Boys and review us on Apple Podcasts, which is actually finally out now. Yay! You can also donate to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash coolboyspodcast. Yes! Please, seriously. Uh... Please check out our other great Cool Boy Central content with Batman and Beyond. <laughs> You'll hear a bit about Ooh. the Joker on Apple mm. Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. But you'll hear Steve, most importantly, discuss the Joker. Someone who was not here tonight. From a legal aspect. Oh, absolutely, it, yes. Well, you know, in order to convict the Joker, <laughs> you need, like, evidence. He's right. Dun-dun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Stay cool, cool boy nation. Until next time, it's Bizies from Felk. It's good to be back. And it's good to have you back. And that's Bizies from Ballard. Yay. You are standing American boy. You have excelled in all things. I pump while I dump. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of the Cool Boys podcast was brought to you by 
What an unpleasant movie that was. It was. It was. It was really stressful. Curb Your Enthusiasm Without the Jokes. That's a unique interpretation. I, I've listened to a lot of reviews and nobody's mentioned Curb. Oh, really? No, not not. See, not. Now I'm going to. I'm going to listen to everything I can. Yeah. I always listen just to make sure my perspective is not like out of line, weird or wrong. Oh, oh my God. You, you got to hear Roth Cornette's interpretation of the movie. Oh, really? What did she say? Oh, boy. Does she really she, she she buys into, you know, it's a good movie, but should it exist? Oh, my God. Really? So she's full on like this movie oh, is yeah. going to create death. Yeah, she's with the, the, the she does the review with the, uh, the guy who looks like uh, if Henry Cavill had AIDS. Oh my god, wait, Dan Merrill? Yeah, yeah, that's him. Get some cool boys. <laughs> <laughs> so serious.